0: Welcome to Echo, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Echo. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. Really glad that you are joining us today. I am joined by two awesome guests. Uh, one, a newer friend of mine, one uh, one of the students that I work with at Southern Adventist University. So uh, we'll start, uh, first of all, with introductions. Richie, let's start with you.
1: Sure. Richie Halverson. I'm the senior pastor at Bowman Hills Seventh-day Adventist Church.
2: Awesome. And then, Derek, what about you? Uh, My name is Derek Schreer. I'm currently a student at Southern, like you mentioned, and I'm actually from Asheville, North Carolina.
0: Cool. And Derek, what are you studying?
2: I'm studying business management currently.
0: Awesome. And what year are you right now? I'm a freshman. Okay, cool. So I'm excited to watch that major change like six times over the next four years. I'm ready to change it. Uh, So uh, today we are talking about an interesting topic, one that uh, isn't one that's so emotionally driven, but one I think that a lot of people encounter at some point. Uh, we talk about this term of biblical inerrancy, or the idea that uh, the Bible contains no errors, and that has been a, a historical uh, belief and, and and system of beliefs that has come uh, throughout tr- the Church's history. Um, and today, th- there are—I want to talk about this because there are things in the Bible that seemingly look like they're contradicting each other. Um, and so— when people see this, especially at a point where they're wondering, is God real? Is this true? Right? It, it, they start reading the Bible and they might see something small. So they might open the Gospels, for example, and see uh, that in each different Gospel, it's, you know, who got to the tomb first is recorded differently. Um, things like that. It could be small, it could be big. And so today I want to talk about contradictions a little bit. I want to I uh, wrestle with that idea uh, and maybe uh, give people an, a new idea or a new perspective on how they can approach that topic so uh, when both of you hear the term you know uh, contradictions or, or the phrase contradictions in the Bible what do you think of what what is the first thing that comes to mind
1: it's probably the um, who gets to the tomb first and those different accounts mm. and they they seem to contradict themselves but um, as you study it and you and you read it you realize that that these are not just for eyewitness accounts it is but it's four different perspectives and so the gospels are written uh, with a certain story to tell and so different story tellers choose to highlight certain segments And they're not necessarily saying okay, this is the way that it happened exactly as it happened It is how it happened, but it's from a different perspective and I know man I know when I tell a story or I hear a story um, You know, I'm gonna highlight something that struck me the first thing that I noticed Uh, in fact, when, um, police, uh, get witnesses of a, of a particular, uh, crime or something like that, people will remember little details Mm. that they saw when it happened, the color of that person's jacket or, you know, this and, and the other people don't remember that at all, but it's just because of, of what our perception is and, and what we really notice when it happens.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh. Witness testimony is huge, and especially in Scripture, it's huge. I, you know, I know that uh, I, I, somewhere in the New Testament, I'm, I'm blanking on the specific verse, but there's, uh, there's an instruction that says, you know, if you're going to bring an accusation before an elder, you must do so on the account of two or three witnesses, right? It's the idea that multiple perspectives help us get a complete picture of what happened. Right. Um, they help fill in those blanks. Derek, what about you?
2: Oh, <sighs> Coming from a place of youthfulness, I think <laughs> I think sometimes it's maybe a little less cut and dry than that. Um, I know many times I've been studying the Bible or in class, and it just gets a little confusing, like, what exactly is going on. But I remember last year when we um, went through the accounts of Jesus and stuff in Bible class, um, we really, like, accented kind of what Gospels hit on what points. And like you mentioned earlier, it really was interesting what details get mentioned from each gospel to gospel, and it almost had to do with what background um, that account was written on. Like Luke, for example, was you know kind of medically driven, so he might remember different things that had to do like with that um, compared to other gospels that might focus on other things. So, really, like contradictions, I feel like are a lot about perspective, but it is challenging sometimes. I feel like um, to to find that without really putting in the study. Aspect.
0: Well, let me let me then let's ask this uh, right. You said it's not as cut and dry in that, and I think there are moments where that that certainly is the case. Um, so, how have you wrestled with with contradictions, or or what impact have those uh, those uh, seeming disagreements in Scripture had on your faith? And it's totally okay if that's negative right now. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's totally fine. I think there are people that are in that spot, um, and so it's totally cool if that's if that's the case.
2: I think for me personally, um, at first, you you know, you believe the Bible, you believe that it's in harmony, and um, it's hard to wrap your he- head around maybe like a mistake or whatever, even just like fashion the idea. But I think once you go in and actually study it and really like see the perspective and like what the Bible is actually trying to say here, it almost adds to your faith in a way at the end of that study to where where at the beginning you're almost maybe a little bit confused Um, For me, anyway, I feel like at the end of something like that, I even have more trust and more faith in the Bible based on what I've seen. And um, challenging it has almost been beneficial, even though it doesn't look like that at the beginning maybe of a study like that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, it's been kind of a theme uh, that's been mentioned on several episodes, but uh, this idea that when you have a doubt, or when you have something that you need to wrestle with that you lean into it because um on the other on the other side of it uh can be uh, a stronger faith. And there are many uh moments like that where we look at contradictions and the way that someone who is who is anti-Christian, right? Um they might look at those contradictions and instead of asking the question how are these harmonized, they might say um uh, they might use them instead to justify their own anti-Christianity, right? Their own negative feelings, and so there is uh, there is a lot of importance in the in the approach that we take when we see those those uh, those moments in scripture. So let's ask this: What what do I do when I see things like that in scripture? Uh, any any insights here on on where
1: do you begin? Um, You know, usually I begin uh, just studying the Scriptures, uh, looking at the context. Um, I look up and research what different Christians have said on this. I try to study the context and and just get a perspective. I mean, we, whether we want to admit it or not, we were were raised through a certain cultural lens. And and what we tend to do with Scripture is we want to apply our culture— to the scriptures, instead of allowing the scripture of the culture to apply to our lives, and so it's so important to me is is to not only doubt our doubts, but to 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 doubt our convictions a little bit. In the mm. sense of, um, you know, Nietzsche said that the the greatest enemy of truth is conviction, because I can be so convicted on something and just ignore. Um, reality and not admit. Okay, there seems to be a contradiction here. This this doesn't seem God of love, and yet you know wipe out an entire uh, you know an entire group of people. You Ooh. know how do I reconcile that? And I think if we're not um, fair with the scriptures and and really dig deep into it and pursue the answer through prayer and Bible study then usually we can give a pretty bad answer to someone who asks us those kinds of questions. So for me, it's just immersing myself in the scriptures and coming to it, understanding, you know what, some of the things that I may have been raised believing, they may be right, they may not be right, or there there just may be another um, thing that I can learn from this other than the way I've uh, previously viewed it. So I think just being open and honest is the key and and really being willing to not only doubt my doubts, but doubt my my convictions.
0: Hmm. That's really good. Uh, I, I can resonate a lot with
2: that for sure. Uh, Derek, any thoughts here? I mean, I think we do sometimes look at the scriptures with a little bit of bias, even though we don't want to. Like you pointed out, um, it's easy to read a text and apply it how you benefit personally yeah. from it. So a lot of times it's it's hard to take that step back and look at scripture from really just like as an unbiased lens as possible. Um but as you pointed out it's it's kind of essential I think to figuring out some of those hard texts. And...
0: Yeah, and I, and I think there's another aspect to this as well. Um and that's the community aspect to it, right? I think sometimes we we uh, we err too much on the side of telling someone to just uh you know, dig deep into scripture uh, but if they don't have the, tool, the right tools to understand it, they'll just keep reading the same line over and over and not know what mm. to do with it. And I think uh, I, I remember a time where I did a two-part sermon series on Nehemiah 1 and, and his prayer in Nehemiah 1. I, I analyzed both his approach to prayer um, and then his actual breakdown of the prayer, like his method of prayer. And the, so that was over the course of two weeks at, at one of my churches and a member came up to me afterwards and she said, uh, pastor for the last six months, I've been praying. <laughs> this was kind of funny, but she said, uh, I've been praying, asking God to teach me how to pray. Um, and then you preach these two sermons and they were everything that I was looking for. Right. I, 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 um, I resonate so powerfully with this idea of prayer because, um, God will answer God is faithful to answer prayers and And when we when we give it to the community, right this is the point of being in a community is that you can ask the tough questions to them. you can wrestle with the text together, you can get different perspectives uh, and, and different ways of viewing it that you didn't have, uh, and perhaps come across someone, maybe it's even your pastor in church on on Saturday morning who uh, says something that was exactly what you'd been looking for all along. And so it's this idea of you don't just isolate yourself away, right? Because that's the problem with the contradictions themselves is sometimes we see them isolated. So then we isolate ourselves expecting to uh, to wrestle with them and it doesn't work that way. So wrestling with them through community and being around people that you can ask those honest questions to, uh, I, I think is incredibly valid and important. Um, absolutely. So um, to someone who may be thinking... Um, who may have seen those contradictions, may have tried to study them and can't really reconcile, uh, for example, the God of love uh, that you seemingly see in the New Testament versus the God of you know, war and destruction that you seemingly see in the Old Testament, which obviously that's a vast oversimplification of it. Um, but there's a lot of people that see that. So they see that and they go, um, or something like that, and they say, I, yeah, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, what do you say to someone who's in that position or in that place?
1: know for me, I just, you know, I, I, you know, I, I avoid getting defensive and with people, I think that's kind of sometimes a knee jerk reaction is to just kind of rush to defend the scriptures. And I, you know, I heard a, you know, someone say once, you know, the, the scriptures will defend themselves, you yeah. know? Um, and so I think, I think to not, um, that's the first thing is not to it defensive or get kind of a, an attitude of, um, with, with the individual who's asking, I think just really embracing that question and encouraging questions, and and I think also at times, you know, admitting where, you know what, that's a good question, I don't know, you know, or mm-hmm. I've thought this myself, and just being real about um, some of these things. There are some things in the Bible that we, we're just not going to know, um, and, but I don't believe that's a good excuse to not, you know, just really pursue an answer and i think that's the key you know we'll say things like oh just you know you don't have faith um but 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 reality we we need real faith pursues uh, an answer and 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 it looks for evidence and there is evidence in the scripture so for me it's to just really embrace people who ask questions and to not treat it as though questions are bad in faith every time i have questioned it it has driven me closer to God on the mm. other side of it. Um, and so I think we need to treat questions as as good things, as chances to dialogue over God uh, and to really look at it. And, and then you look at all the different evidences and, and you look at all the facts. And, and I believe on on the other side of that, um, and it may take weeks, months, it may even take years of just wrestling with this idea I believe on the other side of that, God wins and will will give the individual um, enough to know that uh, uh, God is not a God of contradiction or confusion, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, couldn't agree with that more, honestly. I think uh, sometimes our knee-jerk reaction of disagreement is what drives someone away, more so than the contradictions themselves or the, the doubts themselves. Um, I One of my closest friends is in ministry and, and a Christian today because over the course of his 10-year journey where he left the faith— Um, there was one pastor who just would sit down at Buffalo wild with wild wings with him every once in a while, and they would just talk and there was no, uh, there was no pushiness. There was no defensiveness. It was just, I want to stay connected with you. And over the course of 10 years, when my friend was ready to step back into the picture and ask some of those questions again, guess who he went to, right? So it's this idea of being friends with someone along their journey and just letting them have it. Um, I think Sometimes, I, or what this makes me think of is if you've ever had a friend who's dating someone that they shouldn't be and you try and tell them, like, this is a bad idea, don't do this, and they do it anyway. Um, sometimes when people get locked in on something, there's no stopping them. There's only loving them through it. In um, many cases, I think doubts
2: uh, are one of those journeys.
0: I'll, I want
2: to point back a little, or go back a little bit and talk about kind of a like an important part of um, studying contradictions, it really takes an act of humility to act to admit that you don't know something. And I feel like that's a really crucial part in um, really reading the Bible or doing anything is like you said, using that community and coming from a place of humility and just saying like, hey, I don't yeah. know what this is talking about or this is confusing to me. Um, it's not easy to do that sometimes. And especially with, with people who are maybe pretty highly educated stuff, it's it's hard to come from that place of humility. Like, I don't really understand this. And it's hard to engage that community without that principle of humility, I feel like. So, mm. I don't know. I just found that no, that's, kind of that's an huge. interesting part of... Uh, and in Adventism,
0: that's hard because we like being right. (laughs) Um, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of people who, uh, I, I, have said this, uh, before, this is kind of, uh, you're addicted to being right. And so, struggling with something that might be, you might be wrong on or don't know, well, that's unacceptable because we have the truth. Uh, so for some people that can be much harder than others. I think one of the other things that's worth pointing out about contradictions is, um, many times the contradictions that we see in Scripture uh, are simply like tiny factual disagreements that don't actually conflict with the overall point of the story, right? So we talk about who got to the tomb first. The point of of those stories is that the tomb was empty, right? That Jesus rose, and that is the consistent portion. Sometimes we look to poke holes in something instead of looking to um, instead of looking for what is in common here, what is what are these stories as a whole trying to tell me? And um, now for the bigger questions, obviously there are some contradictions or seeming contradictions that we have to wrestle with no matter what, because they do uh, affect the overall narrative of Scripture. Uh, they may impact your view of what a loving God looks like or what salvation looks like. But for many, I think we get caught up on these tiny factual errors in a book that has been translated countless times, in a book that has been passed down throughout all of history. And yeah, a factual error may slip in here or there because God works through a broken people uh, to present and, and push his perfect message, and he has always been faithful to preserve uh, the core of that perfect message. So I, I think that is something that is absolutely worth pointing out. It's something that helped me a lot on my journey as well, and got rid of some of the animosity that I used to have towards Scripture uh, because of the contradictions. So um, anything else to add on this?
1: I just think that what you said about the story is so key. We tend to compartmentalize Scripture. We'll read a little verse or we'll put it on a mug somewhere and, you know, a little inspirational tidbit without <laughs> applying it to the overarching narrative. The Bible is a story, first and foremost. It's not a book of morality. It's not a book of rules. I mean, it has the morality in it. It has things in it, but it is a it is a grand Um, narrative. And I think reading Scripture without compartmentalizing and just really um, studying the story, how does this fit into the story? How does this drive the story? That's the way we need to study Scripture. You know, one of the biggest verses, I know the plans that I have for you. Mm. You know, you you get that. I mean, every graduation card has this (laughs) on it, you know, that God's going to prosper you and you're going to do well but you know that verse in Isaiah was not about Israel going being you know going through a graduation Israel was going to exile god was letting his people uh, go into exile babylon and so when you really study that verse in the right context it's not oh all of your plans will work out and and life will just be great yeah. it's man even when bad stuff happens and god seemingly is is nowhere to be found He's going to prosper you. He's going to bring you out on the other side of this. And so I think that's another very important part of, 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 of working through some of the contradictions is, you know what, God is a God of love. How does this fit into the gospel narrative, which is what the Bible is about?
0: Mm, yeah, that's huge. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is one of my favorite verses for this reason, because people do use it. Uh, they use it as they're going into something good, but that verse is given as they're going into something <laughs> bad. And what Jeremiah, I think it's 29, 13, just two verses later, or maybe it's verse 12. It says, uh, you know, uh, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And sometimes I think, uh especially nominal Christians or nominal Adventists will claim twenty nine eleven but we won't claim 13, Mm -hmm. right? We won't claim the seeking part. We don't want to do that. We just want God to prosper whatever we want to do. Um, And and that's part of that confirmation bias or that that bias that we pull into Scripture to say, I'm looking for specific things that that, uh, will enhance my worldview or that will bolster and justify my worldview. That's huge. Um, Derek, any final thoughts that you want to add here?
2: Yeah, I think um, just wrapping up, I feel like challenging these contradictions and looking at does this little detail affect my faith? um like you guys pointed out like does this like just add something to the story or is this a complete game changer like like looking at those details really like helps you understand the context i feel like and essentially i feel like like all the things you pointed out like just kind of help you understand the bible better and like how contradictions go in like a bad way i think it's interesting that they there's also that other side like you guys are pointing out um Like sometimes we misinterpret a text that we, you know, stamp everywhere um, for something else. So I feel like it goes both ways, but sometimes we don't like to talk about the ways that, you know look nice. So Anyway,
0: everyone likes a little bit of drama, so we tend to focus on the things that that cause controversy. (laughs) It's just true. Um, Well, thank you guys so much for your insights here and your opinions. I really appreciate you sharing your journeys. Uh, And for our listeners, if you're in a place where you're wrestling with contradiction or doubt, uh, understand that it's totally okay to be there. Uh, You are not the first one to be there. Just open up the book of Psalms or Lamentations or Ecclesiastes, anywhere. Just open any book, and you will find doubt laced all over Scripture. Uh, The very people that walked with God. doubted him. So this doubt is a normal part of this journey, and if you're there, it's okay. If If you've been there for a while, it's still okay. We want to encourage you on that journey to keep moving forward. Uh, to keep searching uh, and to keep asking questions and and to keep praying as well. Uh, thank you to Southern Adventist University for hosting us and allowing us to record season two on their campus. And if you want to engage with anything more uh, Echo Podcast related or with the Project Refresh, you can head over to theprojectrefresh.org. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them, and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment.